Tell me if this has ever happened to you. You walk into a museum. It's a little bit crowded. There are people taking selfies next to famous art. And finally, you find yourself, like these people, in front of a painting, like a Jackson Pollock. It feels to me like it's ordered chaos. Normally, I'm usually pretty good at like just saying, okay, like this is an idea, and then extrapolating on it, but I'm not getting anything out of this. These paintings are all over the place in here. Squiggles, drips, splotches, splashes, maybe some cigarette butts stuck into it. Is this something that you have to be, for lack of a better word, enlightened to understand? What is this all about? Is it about anything? And how do you figure out what you're supposed to think or feel about something that seems so random? I'm Abby Jacobson, and this is A Piece of Work. We're talking about abstract art in this episode. An abstract just means any piece of art that doesn't represent some recognizable thing in the world. There's all kinds of abstract art in every medium. But I'm going to be talking about paintings today. Abstract expressionism developed after World War II. And at the time, a lot of people didn't get it. They thought it looked messy and chaotic. But it's not messy and chaotic. Or maybe it is those things. But that's because life is that way sometimes. And shouldn't art reflect that? You can't really mention abstract painting without Jackson Pollock's name coming up. You probably have a picture in your head of what a Jackson Pollock painting looks like. Drips and splatters all over it. There's a lot going on. Okay, you ready? Yeah, right. Yeah, sure. Y'all ready so, um, for this? So, you want to just hang out here? Is this a good spot? Yeah, so okay. we're not blocking it. All right. And so I went to MoMA to talk with the guy who restores paintings by artists like Pollock. Uh, my name is Corey D'Augustine. I'm a painting conservator uh, or restorer. Uh, I specialize in uh, modern and contemporary art. So we're standing in front of a painting by Pollock called One Number 31-1950. And it's enormous. Over 17 feet long and almost 9 feet high. And it's covered with splatters of paint. Black, white, brown, and gray. But what is it about? It isn't like figurative art where you can say, wow, this really does look like a table with lemons on it. Great. It can be very much akin to walking into a, a room filled with people speaking a foreign language and not having a clue what's going on. Right. Uh, a lot of uh, visitors who react negatively to this kind of work, it's because they, they have no footholds. Uh, they don't have any idea where to find meaning in the work. Pollock didn't start out making abstract art. He was actually trained as a figurative artist. He kind of discovered drips later, sort of stumbled into it. He was struggling so much uh, with a painting called Full Fathom Five, it's also in MoMA's collection, that he decided to stick a key in that painting, stick coins in it and a thumbtack and a cigar, literally just putting anything and everything he could think of. And dripped paint was the last on that list of things to add to that painting. And this was the eureka moment. Yeah, right. That was like the aha. Yeah. Back in the late 40s and early 50s, Pollock's drip paintings made him famous. Maybe the most famous artist of his time. But when you look at one of these, what are you supposed to see exactly? Think about the actions, the physical actions that went into the making of the work. Right. And if you know that this painting was painted on the floor, and if you've seen some photographs or images or even perhaps Pollock, the Hollywood movie, 
and you understand how Pollock danced around this canvas, almost like an athlete, really, uh, using not only his hand, but his wrist and his elbow, his shoulder, his torso, his knees, suddenly you can really start to imagine the physical activities that go into this. Pollock, this wild, passionate artist, immersed in the painting experience, performing, dancing, quite literally. Action painting. If a Pollock painting is a relic of a kind of dance, then maybe a dancer could help us understand it. So I sent my producer, Rachel, to talk with one. My name is Mark Morris, and I'm a choreographer. What else do you want? That's it. It is I, Mark Morris, famous choreographer. I'm at the Museum of Modern Art, where I come a lot to look at fabulous art. Mark Morris is one of the giants of contemporary dance. His dance company has its own school and performance space in downtown Brooklyn, and he really hates it when people compare a Pollock painting to what he does. Dance is live, then it's over. And that's very, very different. It doesn't leave a trace. Then you would have the footprints on the floor at the dance studios, how to foxtrot left, right, left, right on the floor. So this is a record of gestures. It's not gestures at all, you know, because gestures can't be done in this medium. I'm gesturing, which you can't tell because I'm on a podcast. I'm also naked, completely naked. (laughs) When Mark looks at a Jackson Pollock painting, he sees an explosion of emotion. You know, it is a tantrum and a mess. And, you know, it's like, I'll show you how deeply I feel. It's like, guess what? Every single person on earth feels at least as deeply as you do, if not more so. And aside from that, I don't want to analyze it or pick it apart. I can say that there's like tan and brown and white and black and glossy and matte and thicknesses and thinnesses and roots, you know, I mean, it's one thing on top of another thing. So it's palimpsesty. You know, it probably looks exactly like the ladder he used, you know, to like open a window in the studio because it was spattered with paint. Like probably all of his sweaters looked like this. Next up, an artist who took that abstract messiness even further into my kid could do that territory. It looks like there could be a eraser on it. Like some, some things are painted over with white. It sort of looks like a doodle or something. This is a piece of work. This episode is all about abstract art. It's like scratchy little uh, doodles, right? It's... <laughs> I met MoMA with my friend Tavi Gevinson. She's the editor of Rookie Magazine and a Broadway actor. She's 21, but she got a lot of attention when she started a fashion blog, Style Rookie, when she was just 14. We're looking at a side Twombly. It's called Tisnit. Tisnit? Tisnit? <laughs> Actually, Tisnit. <laughs> it's four and a half feet by six feet. And the white, creamy background is scribbled over with thin and thick black lines made with pencil and crayon. There's a big triangle, a rocket sort of, and there's a figure that kind of looks like a big letter F. But it's all scribbled out. Twombly made this painting in 1953. When I see something abstract like this, I'm always just like, how did they know when to stop? Like, yeah, because you could really like they stood back and they were like, that's it. Yeah, it's done. They're like one more little. Totally. But why is that? I mean, I guess when it's realism, you stop when you feel like you've done the 
it looks like it. Right. I guess they feel like it looks like the thing in their head or... Or it feels they're done having the conversation with the canvas. Yes. Snap, snap, snap. Yes. (laughs) Not to mock... Ooh. Some woman just uh, knocked over a sculpture. Rude. Whoa. (laughs) Mayhem. Someone dropped an umbrella. (laughs) Okay, let's focus up here. What exactly did Twombly see in his head? You know, Side Twombly saw a scratchy black thingamajig. Just to be really reductive and disrespectful. The painting does kind of look like when you give a kid a crayon and a piece of paper and they just really go to town. Maybe that's why a lot of people say... If you can consider your toddler's scribbles on a piece of paper art, then this is definitely art. I happen to know a toddler, my three-and-a-half-year-old niece. What's your name? I'll say my name first. My name is Abby Jacobson. We sat in the gallery with a sketch pad and some crayons and tried to make some Twomblies of our own. When I pointed to one on the wall, honestly, Stella wasn't that impressed. She's kind of an art snob. What do you think those are? Paintings? But like of what? What do you see when you look at them? (laughs) (laughs) I needed to learn more about Twombly though, so I talked with Ann Umlin, a curator at MoMA. Hi. Good, how are you? It's chilly in here. It is chilly in here. Anne makes being a curator seem like the most fun job in the world. You gotta blast some tunes in here. But can you imagine if you guys played, like, music through the loudspeaker in the museum? Come on. It'd be fun. It'd be so fun, right? It'd be fun. Well, you, you would see things in a totally different way. You'd walk in a different Absolutely. way around the museum, right? I do that when I'm installing and... Because the public's not here, I always what have a play? boom box. Oh, what do I play? I play my, well, I play David Bowie. Ooh. I play, oh, I'll, I'll date myself, David Byrne. I play These are amazing. Lyle Lovett. Um, yeah. Who else do I play? Oh, well, every now and then Madonna. So no one's in here and you're installing and you're blasting Madonna and like talking heads in here? Yeah, it's fun. Oh, it's good. You can come the next Stop time we install the show. Stop not bragging. <laughs> Right, so we're talking Cy Twombly today. We're talking Cy Twombly. We're talking scribbles, right? Graffiti, scrawl. And I tend to be drawn to really raw, sort of expressive mark making. Yeah, I love that kind Mm -hmm. of work. But I don't know, we haven't heard anything really about who he is and where he he came from. Yes, and all that. So, right, Cy Twombly, born in the South. And so he moves to New York in the 1950s. He was a cryptographer in the army. So he decoded things. And he talks about how that really changed the way that he thought about language, both the way that it functions and what it looks like visually. And so when he set out to reinvent the way that he would make an artwork, he began to do something that was kind of akin to writing or akin to language, but doesn't add up to a to an image. It's kind of like a code, which is exactly what Mark Morris sees inside Twombly's work. Since Twombly was gay and being gay in the 1950s meant hiding a lot of things about yourself. 
you know, it was this gay code, and, you know, a lot of these men were married or whatever, and they were, it was still, of course, against the law to be queer, and so these people who had to protect their queer identity, they made the queerest work in the world. See, does that answer everything about his work? No, it doesn't. That's what's so nice about it. You know, now you'd have to paint, like, hard dicks all over everything, you know? And that's if you're, like, a lesbian feminist. You know, it's like, come on, everybody. A little bit of, you know, like, almost naked is usually sexier than naked. But I'm old-fashioned. <laughs> oh, so tismet, right. Back to Anne and this painting. This tismet. still has I some... I like the name, too. Right, it's the name of a Moroccan village. I mean, Morocco. it feels like the woods. Morocco. By, it's a Moroccan. Kind of, to me. Yeah. Woods. Tent. I mean, but, right, there still are figures yeah. of some sort, even though they're very abstract, hard to define. So this one really makes me think of an outdoor wall. Yeah. I think he wrote about seeing sort of the, um, in later years, the graffiti on the walls in ancient Rome and loving that, oh, yeah. that, that sort of build like up. Oh, yeah, cave drawing. Mm-hmm. Like. Yes, right back to sort of a, a pre, pre-linguistic isn't the right word. Symbol. Primal. Right? Yes. A sign language, yeah. a stick language. Um, we don't have the language to say what it was. <laughs> and before so he language. succeeded. He yeah. succeeded. He made we something. We can't find the words. <laughs> Maybe we could if it was at the morning instead of the end of the day, but yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I could ever find them. You may be. Yeah, but I, don't I don't know. But I could look at it a long time, this yeah. one. The longer I stood in front of that painting, the more stuff I saw in it. Ancient graffiti, trees and roots, and forest, just kid-like energy. I can't say that I can completely describe what this is or what it's about or that I get it. But I'm starting to feel more comfortable looking at art that I don't really get. And maybe that's kind of the point. And that's a piece of work. You can see pictures of the paintings we've talked about today on our website, apieceofworkpodcast.org. And if you like the show, you can leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks to Ann Umland, Mark Morris, Tavi Gevinson, and Corey Diagostine. This show is a co-production of WMYC Studios and MoMA. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Abby Jacobson. So I'm going to stop talking, but you have to tell me a little bit about what you're drawing. Stop talking. Just a little bit. Give me some insight. Nope. Just a little. Stop talking. All right.